There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning to the podcast. This is our Wednesday edition of the podcast. We're going to be back in Hebrews 2 and trying to finish up the chapter and to see what the Lord does with that. I'd like to go ahead and announce again that this Thursday night, 730, if you're able to come, we'd love to have you at the Black Creek Baptist Church. Be there for what is normally Bible study, but occasionally the pastor has in folks to do how God profited you. And I want to do how has God profited you and just explain how God has been a prophet to me. And oh, I bless his holy name and I thank him for being so good, being so kind, so grateful, so merciful to me, a sinner, and how we thank him for that. And then Lord willing on Sunday, we'll be there for the morning service, afternoon service at Black Creek, be across town at the Grace Bible Independent Baptist Church in Shingle House at 6 p.m. And then Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. each night. I may not be preaching every night. I don't know what the Lord has in store, but that's the plan. What we do what we call chapel services. It's very informal. Tell folks don't get too dressed up. Just show up at the house of God. If you finish supper, you got to come in there with a broccoli in your teeth. That's okay. We don't mind that a bit. And so we're trying to assemble together and to just see what God is going to do in those services and how we thank God for that. The following Sunday will be at the Anchor Baptist Church over in Wellsville. And so we certainly look forward to that. Hebrews chapter 2. I know we finished off yesterday. Uh, we talked about the congregation and that church in the wilderness. And of course, now we're in the church in Christ. And in verse 13, he says, again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Now, Isaiah 8 talks about that. And I'm going to cover that verse just for a couple of minutes here. But Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 17 and I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. And it's interesting because he goes in verse 18, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs. So these are those that the Lord has given him. God has given them, he said, for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion. And then Matthew 16 and verse 19 just another side reference on that. We'll go back to Isaiah in just a moment. But this is just a little side note that uh, something we're going to run with this. But he said this in the word of God in verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So going back to Ma or Isaiah, rather, in chapter 8, we see as he speaks of these things, in verse 17, I will wait upon the Lord, and it says this, that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. But what did he say then? He's going to put his trust in him. That's what Paul references. Verse 18, behold, I am the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. Back in Hebrews, verse 14, for as much as the children partakes of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. And so we see that now he speaks to these children. They've come to him. 
He has come to them. There is a trust with him. Why? He's the son of God. He's Jesus Christ, the righteous. It tells us, and he also himself likewise took part of the same. What is that? Flesh. He took part of flesh, the same. He took on the likeness of sinful flesh, yet without sin. We see Jesus Christ. They realize he's the image of the Godhead bodily. That's what the word of God tells us. There was no beauty nor comeliness that we should desire him. This wasn't just Absalom, certainly. It wasn't just a beautiful man outwardly that we would desire him. But he took on flesh. He made himself of no reputation. Jesus Christ, the humble one. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Jesus Christ, the holy one. And Paul references that in this, that he took part of the same. What? Flesh and blood, just like you and I, yet without sin. And that's why he's made a way of escape from that temptation that you and I face, that temptation which is common to man, because he himself also took that temptation. That was part of his suffering. We talked about that yesterday. And he took that suffering upon himself and that he also was tempted in all points of the law, as we were. And so we were tempted at all points of the law, but yet without sin. And so he took that temptation as his suffering, just as he took that, that condemnation of suffering the, to the physical suffering, but then he also endured that contradiction of sinners against himself and my how he suffered. When he saw their hurt and he saw their destruction and he saw the destruction of their lives and what could have been, and yet they would not believe that he was the son of God. One of the great sufferings of ministry is when you deal with people that absolutely cannot see themselves as a sinner. They refuse to see what they really are. They think drunkenness is okay. They think fornication is okay and adultery is okay. And they think that gay marriage is okay. And they think that stealing a little bit here and there is okay. I remember I was just a boy. There was the pastor of the church we grew up in, the pastor at the time, and it would have been his brother-in-law. And I remember being at the 7-Eleven with my father and this man and we got in the car and the man says to my dad, he goes, well, well, I hope you don't mind. He said, I stole a couple of creamers. I didn't feel like paying a nickel for them. And my dad, you know, kind of blew it off. And the, and the man says, well, he goes, if I, if I go to hell over two creamers, you know, and he said that, that I should have paid a nickel each for, you know, he said, I, I guess, uh, you know, I'm not doing too bad or something along those lines. I don't know the exact word, but I mean, there's a little boy just sitting there thinking that man just stole. That man, I mean, he didn't think anything about stealing. By the way, he was a man in the church with us. He went to church many years with us. Last I heard, he, his wife had left him. The children had nothing to do with him. He was basically despondent and hopeless. had been physically crippled in an accident, was unable to work. And I thought, you know, is God trying to get your attention, sir? That's stealing that God sees. It doesn't matter how small or insignificant it is to you. It's huge to God. Boy, fornication is so small and so insignificant to people today. And it's just common in religion, the practice of religion. Fornication is just so commonplace that when you speak out about it, people say you're crude and you're rude and, and you're being a mean person or mean-spirited and you know, all the accusation may. But there's no thought given to it. It's a sin against your body. And God forbid it. When he came upon a maid and a man in the field and they weren't married to each other and that, that man took that girl into himself, they had to marry him. He had to give her father shekels. Why? Because he shamed his daughter. Today, that's they just live together. Today, they have children out of wedlock. They just live together. There's no shame. There's no reproach. Nobody wants to say anything, especially in church. You don't want to offend church people with that. And there's so many people that live in this despondency of sin. And Jesus Christ endured that contradiction of sinners against himself. Even more so than that, he endured religious people that lied about him. And he still endures religious people that lie about him. 
They say, well, Jesus Christ didn't die that kind of death. And they lie about him, and he endorsed that. And they say, well, that's not what the Bible means. But that is what the Bible means, and he endorsed that. And they say, well, that's heresy. You're preaching heresy. And it's not heresy. It's Bible. But he endorsed that. You know why? Because he's the Son of God. And therefore, he's drawing men to himself. He was partakers of flesh and blood like us. He also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So it tells you why he took on flesh and blood. He's going to overthrow the work of the devil. John told us that. That's one of his purpose, his purpose upon the earth. That is the purpose, his purpose in Jesus Christ, to overthrow the work of the devil. And so he took on flesh that he could overcome the grave and the power of death. That's why he took on flesh. That's why he died, the death he died. That he could take on. So physically, he tells you right here in the scripture, he tells you why he died on the cross. When he said it was finished, sin was finished. What did sin bring forth? It brought forth death. That way he could overcome, that he had to physically die so that his body could resurrect, that he could overthrow the work of the devil in the resurrection. And he goes on and tells us to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That's why he did that. It has nothing to do with his soul, nothing to do with the offering of his soul. It has everything to do with the offering of his body. That's why we're saved through his life because of the resurrection. His body died on the cross so he could overthrow the works of the devil. And he did that that he might live. But yet we also see he died the second death. And therefore, when he died in the second death, it says, deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Why were they in fear of death? Because there was no hope for them. They feared death because death was really the end for them. Of course, they go to Abraham's bosom, but they're prisoners there. They're in bondage there. That's what the word of God said in verse 7 of Ephesians 4, but unto everyone has given us the grace according to the measure, the gift of Christ, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. What is that? That's the resurrection of Abraham's bosom. And that's why he told the thief on the cross, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Why is he called it paradise? Because Jesus Christ is there. And what does he do? He delivers him who had that fear of death. He delivers those that had that lifetime of subject to bondage. But what were they looking for? They were looking for Jesus Christ. They were in bondage. They were prisoners. They could not get out. They were in the heart of the earth. They were in the lowest parts of the earth. Because that's why Paul told us in Ephesians, now that he ascended, what is it? That he also descended first into the lowest parts of the earth. He that descended is a, the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. So what parts of the earth? Well, he offered our sins in hell. And went to Abraham's bosom and took captivity captive, ascended unto the Father, presented them to the Father. They're freed. They're no more in bondage. They're no more in prisoner. Why? Because of the death of Jesus Christ and the hope of the resurrection. That's why he came. That's why he died. We talk about the book of Matthew, the order of those things. Once he resurrected, they resurrected. Once he came out, they came out. Glory be to God. Some of their bodies even came out of the grave. The word of God tells you that because of the resurrection. The grave had no power over them. That's why he died the physical death. That's why his body died. They were lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Therefore, it wasn't the nature of angels that he came. He wasn't a, a, a natural angel as we see, but he was a natural man. That second Adam from above, reinstate me in thy love. That's what 
Wesley wrote, and thank God for that. He's doctrinally correct, a whole lot more doctrinally correct than some in that. Here's what the word of God says. All flesh is not the same flesh. We're in 1 Corinthians 15, 39. But there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fish, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one. The glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star death from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. That's the death of the cross. It is raised in incorruption. Those that are in fear have been raised up. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. That's the seed of Abraham. Glory to God. It is raised a spiritual body. That's the seed of God. Hallelujah. Abraham and the Lord. Hallelujah. There's a natural body. There's a spiritual body. By the way, you and I will also have that spiritual body that are in Christ. Bless his holy name. If that sits in, kind of like Brother Sammy said on the podcast the other day, we might just have to stop. You might just have to just have a little spell there. We understand we have that glorified body. We're not going to have that natural body. We have that spiritual body, that body that feels no pain, that body that has no sorrow, that body that never again will fear grave, never again will fear death, never again will know sin. That body will be raised incorruptible, that spiritual body. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Howbeit that which first is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven. Bless his holy name, the Lord Jesus Christ. He became the seed of Abraham for us. He was made of a woman made under the law. And therefore we know that he had the seed of a woman, which is the seed of Abraham, that natural birth. He was born of a natural birth, but he was the son of God. And wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. He was obedient, obedient to the death of the cross. The word of God told us that. Behooved him. Why? It was God's plan. It was God's way. It was God's uh, God's word that had spoken that this would take place. He's made like unto his brethren. Who's at the seed of Abraham? And by the way, you and I have been grafted into Abraham through that. Hallelujah. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. To make reconciliation for the sins of the people. And so he was made this merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. What things pertaining to God? Well, reconciliation of sin. That's what he speaks of. That's why he endured that contradiction of sinners against himself. And that's why he endured the cross, despising the shame. That's why Jesus Christ took that suffering in himself. That's why he suffered the way he suffered. That he might be that faithful high priest, that obedient one. And he suffered that death on the cross to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And again, what is he saying? He that himself has suffered being tempted. He endured that temptation. He suffered that temptation. He was tempted in all points of the law. Yet, he never sinned. So what does he do? He gives us succoring in our temptation. When that great temptation comes, that attack of Satan comes, when our flesh is trying to draw us away after our own lust, the world presses in and offers us the goods of this world. He's there to comfort us. He's there to strengthen us. He's there to help. We have no excuse for sin. Why? Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have finished chapter 2 
And Lord will be back on chapter three tomorrow here on the podcast. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing For the prodigal child has come home And the saints all with gladness are singing